This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, 89.3 in Morris Joliet, covering much of central and northern Illinois and growing, thanks to you. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. And uh, remember, uh, any donations that you can make, we are always brought to you by you. And we depend on you to bring all the programs that we do bring to you through EWTN and through some of our own programs here at Catholic Spirit Radio. So anything that you can give is always appreciated. And uh, we're going to have our show today. We'll talk about, we'll start to talk about integralism, an introduction to integralism, and we'll get into that in a little bit. As I said, I'm here with my wife, Lynn, and before we start, I'm going to ask her if there's anything she would like to bring up before we get going. So, Lynn, whatever you'd like to say, go ahead. Okay. You sure? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely sure. Okay. I really think we all should be praying for the situation in Ukraine, Russia. It seems that the Wagner Group is is marching on Russia now. I don't know who's at right or who's at wrong, but this is a very dangerous situation, and those people need our prayers. I spent this morning just kind of watching what was going on. Earlier in the week, I could find on, I saw online the buildup to this, and not a word from uh, the media, not one word anywhere. I mean, it's just like this happened overnight. It did not. It's been building since May, and the media doesn't talk about it. Yeah, I was sort of surprised. I mean, I guess you've been watching a little bit more online. I, I, you know, I hadn't. And when this all came up, I was, you know, I really didn't understand quite what the situation was and had to uh, listen. And then I re replayed some of that stuff to get a better idea of it. But uh, as you say, the whole situation uh, can be a very dangerous time for everybody. And we're going to be praying that uh, it comes to some kind of a resolution. Yes, and there's been a resolution in our Congress to impeach our president. Uh, you don't hear about that either. But uh, we need to be very watchful of what's going on so we're prepared to deal with what's going to come, whatever it is. And some of these things are uh, sort of apropos to what uh, we're going to talk about, the fact that uh, our modern society seems to be in disarray and, and declining, and uh, it needs something to bring its order, and that's what integralism is all about, and so uh, we'll talk about that. I want to read uh, an art uh, from uh, something here first before we start that sort of gives an overtone of uh, what we'll be talking about today. It's a, uh, a letter, actually, to the readers of Chronicle Magazine, it's from uh, Doug, J. Douglas Johnson, the executive editor of Touchstone Magazine, a journal of mere Christianity. And uh, he is writing uh, about the, the, the article that actually appears, or the advertisement appears, 
in the magazine called Chronicles, which is leans heavily toward Catholicism. And so this editor from Touchstone is writing in the magazine Chronicles, uh, and it's uh, an article that there are actually a, a letter that talks about what's happening you know, in our country. And he says, dear reader, he is, he's writing to the readers of Chronicles, and he is uh, the editor from Touchstone, another magazine. He says, I am not the first to point out that Democratic Party of the 1960s was in many ways to the right or even far right of where the Republican Party is today. Most conservative magazines have followed the GOP's leftward drift over the years, save for the one you are holding in your hands right now. And that, of course, is Chronicles. If Republicans had read nothing but Chronicles over the last 46 years, our battle lines might still be where they were in 1977 when Chronicles published its first issue. But barbarians, we might still be. Conservatives will continue to move with our progressive times until they take seriously Tocqueville's inescapable observation that there is hardly any human action, however private, which does not result from some conception men have of God. And so he is making us an observation here that Tocqueville made that uh, the almost any subject that you can bring up, almost any human action that you can bring up, uh, results in some way from men's conception of God. That's how important it is. And we're going to talk about reintroducing the conception of God, reintroducing transcendentalism and uh, the transcendental into our government as a means of constraining it. And so that's what we're going to start to get into. We won't get into all of it today, of course, because it'll take uh, a couple of more shows probably. 75 years ago, uh, Johnson goes on and says, C.S. Lewis and Richard Weaver warned that as we continue to free ourselves from the creed, dogmas, and metaphysics that anchor our civilizational inheritance, we set ourselves adrift from irreplaceable fixed points without which nothing worth conserving can ever be conserved. And so it's important to understand that. I did talk about that last week, that uh, we are running out of the credit uh, that our Catholic and Christian foundation gave us. We are like the prodigal son spending his father's inheritance. And when that inheritance is spent, then poverty and disarray and confusion and uh, uh, the, the decline of our civilization ensues, just like the same thing happened to the prodigal son. He went downhill to the point where he was actually uh, eating with the uh, swine out in a hog pen somewhere and uh, contemplating somehow and finally did come back to his father's house. And so that's what we're talking about here. Uh, so we'll go on with that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, some of the things, uh, why this is such a mad, mad, mad world, and uh, just touch on some things that show the madness of our world and why we so much need uh, the constraints of uh, Christianity, Catholic Christianity especially, to give it order. Uh, you can read, see in the news if you're watching uh, all of the news. A lot of this is not uh, uh, put out uh, by the mainstream media. 
But if you read in in various magazines, newspapers, and so forth, and just hear uh, what's going on, I think most people are aware of a lot of the things that are happening in our culture that are show the disarray and decline that we're in. Uh, teachers in the lowest grades are showing pornography of the most graphic kind. I mean, there's been some situations here where teachers in grades as low as the first or second or third grade have been showing graphic pictures of uh, people engaged in uh, porn, pornographic uh, uh, scenes and you know, mm-hmm. homosexual acts, homosexual actions, pornographic actions, and uh, these are being shown to children. <laughs> and when parents complain, they're treated uh, as somehow or another almost terrorists or something, or treated as uh, not understanding uh, what's necessary for children to learn, or uh, not being <laughs> up to t- up to the times or whatever. And there's this idea that's being pushed. Uh, by the administration uh, in our society right now that somehow children do not belong to their parents, that somehow they are the property of the society as a whole. and uh, That's right. And where have we heard that before? And that's Some been, younger people won't, won't know this. Exactly. But people our age do and should remember. Remember what Hitler wrote and my comp? Exactly. What Joe Stalin said? These children are belong to the country. Belong to the state. And uh, that's a very, very dangerous situation. And uh, I know people try to take that in a different way. They try to take it, well, you know, children belong to the culture that they're in in a certain way or that the state is responsible for uh, the welfare. We certainly have, uh, you know, in situations where parents are abusive or something like that. Yes, but, I mean, this is going further than that. No. It's somehow or another that uh, – the schools and other people know more what's good for the children than their parents do. That's why we have so many feral children running around. That, that's a good causing getting into all kinds of trouble. They have no direction, and what does the state do about it? They encourage this to happen, as I see it. No yeah. punishment, no law, nothing. It seems also that we're getting into a two-tiered justice system where if you hold the right opinions and are on the right side of history and so forth, then you're treated one way. And if you don't hold those opinions and you have different opinions and you are so-called not on the right side of history, you're treated in another way. This is another you know, madness in our mad, mad world. Uh, we have an open border. Uh, there are at least 17 million illegal aliens in our country. And, of course, this country has always been open to the idea of immigrants coming in, especially immigrants from coming, coming from countries where they're persecuted. But it has always also insisted on this being a rational, reasonable process uh, that goes through you know, a, a formal means of coming into the country so we know who is coming in, where they're from, and what their background is. Uh, We have a lot of people coming in that could be criminals, terrorists. Uh, There are countries actually letting people out of uh, mental institutions and letting them come in into our country. This is happening. This is certainly not good for the people that are here, and it's dangerous, and uh, these are things that need to be taken care of. Certainly the church can have an open idea of immigration in the sense that we have to try and help people when we can in a reasonable way, you know, by uh, uh, a carefully 
crafted and constructed system, but what we have now is sim- simply chaos and dangerous. Uh, we have a growing crime problem in our country uh, and in inflation. And part of the inflation that we're experiencing, when a country, and I, Lynn and I were talking about this, weren't we, Lynn? When people, uh, when, we, when you have a country in which people don't obey the rules and don't obey the law, it affects everybody. It's costly. I mean, you know, I was looking at how much our insurance went up in the last year just for our home. And uh, a lot of this, I'm certain, is being caused by the fact that when you have property damage in a lot of, a lot of places, like in a lot of our cities and uh, in other places that's uh, greater, the insurance companies have to raise the rates of everybody in order to cover that. In fact, actually, you know, they can't discriminate against a particular place uh, too much uh, and you know, just uh, raise the rates there. So they raise rates across the board and everybody pays for it. So when you have a country that's unruly or criminal or where there's property damage or people aren't behaving according to some kind of a reasonable, you know, civil, civil standard, it is a cost to everybody and it adds to the inflation. And that inflation hurts the poorest and the people on fixed incomes the most. So if we're going to have compassion, then we ought to understand that the more uh, people follow the rules and regulations and the more peaceful and orderly a country is, the easier it's and and the the less expensive it's going to be to live in it. Well, yes. For instance, this I've been looking at a dress word of my daughter, granddaughter's wanting. And it went up $13 in one week. And I thought, forget it. It's, it's ridiculous because it's probably made in China somewhere. I don't know. It, that inflation is terrible. But you have these kids running in the streets, taking over cities, robbing everything from the stores, and nobody can do anything about it. The people that work in the stores are told, just watch what they're doing. Just don't interfere. Well, can you imagine the amount of money that they, not money per se, but they're stealing the goods. That's money they're taking. Can you imagine the amount that they're taking? And we are paying for that. Exactly. One way or another. The destruction of business property and businesses and so forth costs everybody. And it also costs a lot of in, in the inconvenience and in transportation. If businesses leave an area, the people there are left without the, the necessities. If grocery stores and clothing stores and other stores, uh, uh, drug stores and so forth leave areas, the people there are left without the very necessities that they need and they have to travel a lot further elsewhere to get it. And uh, it does the exact opposite of what it seems that uh, our country is calling for. That is, you know, the the conservation of fuel and the less uh, the disturbance of the, the of the environment and so forth. It just causes more of it than we would have, you know, if, if, if everyone were obeying the rules and businesses could operate in peace and uh, prosperity. Uh, we have huge drug problems 
And you were talking about the kids being sort of feral kids, the kids being raised without any any parents or, you know, without any proper training. Uh, we have a lot of it because of our divorce and uh, a lot of the bad habits of living. We have uh, kids being raised, you know, in, in one parent families and sometimes in effect almost no parent families and kids on drugs and uh, the parents themselves on drugs. Uh, we see some of our, our cities, uh, the largest cities, uh, the homeless uh, situation uh, causing a, sit, uh, a situation of destruction and filth and uh, unsanitary conditions and people uh, losing their ability to even work or do anything, living on drugs, like I said, sort of operating like zombies. These are some of the huge problems that we have. And uh, so this is what I mean when I'm talking about it's a mad world out there. And uh, we have a nuclear threat that is growing worse. So these are some of the things that are signs of the decline of our civilization and especially our Western civilization right here in America. And the reason that we have to ask ourselves, what is the reason for this and why? And and, uh, as Lynn was saying, these kids are wild and so forth, but is it all you know, simply the fault of uh, the kids, or is it because we have let our society go to the point where we don't enforce all of the rules and regulations and uh, we don't have the the uh, tightness and so forth and the uh, structure of the families that we need in order to solve those problems in the first place? I think the question to ask is... <clears throat> To whose benefit is it to have a a society like this? There's an answer to that, you know. Yes, there is, and uh, we may be able to get into that as time goes on. But anyhow, at this point, we're going to have to stop here and take a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about uh, why this is happening and what we need. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The Epiphany Knights of Columbus call all knights and their guests to our 50th anniversary reception, Saturday, July 29th. Join us for 4 o'clock mass, followed by beverages, appetizers, dinner catered by Bernardi's, and then dance the night away with our professional DJ. All knights attend free of charge, and their guests are only $10. RSVP to joe at dmci.com. Again, that's joe at dmci.com. Your reservation deadline is July 1st. Come celebrate 50 years of the Epiphany Knights of Columbus. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal Area, 309-827-7780. 
Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking uh, about the fact that this is a mad, mad world out there and mentioning some of the things that uh, illustrate that point. And we have to ask ourselves, yes, uh, you know, it's a mad world, but why? And uh, we are in, in America here and in Western civilization in general in decline. And again, we have to ask why. And uh, one of the answers we talked about somewhat last week, and uh, we'll get uh, further into uh, its solution this week and uh, next week. Uh, it, we need a set of transcendental, that is religious, but open and clear principles on which to base and interpret our Constitution and also our law. Principles that all must accept and follow. Every people. Every tribe, every clan, every nation, etc., does. But, you know, what should those principles be? Uh, but first, before we can arrive at the starting point, you know, of what those principles should be, we need to first understand, and we, 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 you know, we're talking about religious principles here. So before we get into that, we need to first understand that there really is and never has been a thing called religious freedom. I know this might be shocking to people, but I've said it before. Uh, we, we need to talk about the fact that there is no such thing as a complete freedom of religion. No country and no state has ever had any such thing. And before we get into it, because this is the criticism that will be raised when we try to talk about introducing religious principles into a state, that somehow or another this will be a transgression against freedom of religion. But there really is no such thing as a complete freedom of religion. It doesn't exist, and it never has existed. It is a very captivating myth. And when I say myth— I mean, it's a story or a narrative that is uh, promoted, you know, by people that perhaps believe that or promoted by the state. Uh, it's an explanation uh, that is born out of two competing uh, myths or explanations. And there are some contradictions in it. Uh, the first myth or story explanation is that America, you know, is of America as a Christian nation. And, uh, of course, now we're seen as a post-Christian nation. Uh, in fact, President Obama, when he was president, said America no longer is a Christian nation, uh, that it is a post-Christian nation. I think what he was meaning there uh, was that there are lots of people in America now who are not simply Christian, who come from other faiths, Islam and other as well. But I think it goes deeper than that also. I think he's talking about that uh, we're— more of a secular or materialistic nation. So, but the point is, is that we never were from the very beginning a professed Christian nation. And uh, the reason uh, that that's not possible is because this results from two other myths. Uh, we have the idea that America, America is a secular state that is, it is religiously neutral, which, of course, it never was from the beginning. It did incorporate a lot of Christian principles. And uh, the uh, nation, a, you know, a neutral nation is not possible with a, you know, a secular constitution. In other words, we can't possibly be a Christian nation and also a secular nation 
and also a constitutional nation that is based on, you know, religion you, you, or, a, or a constitution that is secular. You can't have all those things at once. You know, while at the same time, America, American constitutionality uh, is committed to a theory of religious freedom at the heart of our public life. So these are conflicting uh, ideas and conflicting uh, stories. You can't have something that is a Christian nation and at the same time it has a secular law and, and a secular constitution and at the same time that the constitution needs somehow to be interpreted religiously. I mean, th- these things are simply not possible. These three concepts are mutually exclusive of each other and they really can't ever be reconciled. Uh, a country can't be, it's impossible for it to be religious and non-religious and also to somehow or another have a freedom of religion. You can't have all of those things at the same time. So it's a trick of language. You can't be a Christian nation at the same time a secular or non-religious non-Christian nation. Nor can any religion be free in competition with a constitutionally dominant secularism that is really a bastardized religion unto itself. I mean, we have a constitution that is supposedly neutral, but a you know a constitution can't be neutral. Uh, it has to be regnant. That is, it has to rule, and it has to rule over all other competing philosophies or religions. Uh, this may seem harsh to say because most of us in this country believe that we have this freedom of religion, that somehow we have solved this problem that no other country in the world has ever solved before. But the fact is, is that the reality is, is that we have not solved it any more than anybody else has done. We've just created narratives and explanations that appear to and seem to have solved it. The facts are that the liberal uh, secular explanation that is the myth does not afford the same protection to the religious believer as it does to the non-religious believer. And that's just what the facts are. It's just the way things are. It may seem to the religious believer that this outcome is a deliberate mean withholding of religious equity. But it it is not. It is the inevitable outcome of the contradictory idea that one can have an equal outcome of two contradictionary myths, one of which must be dominant over the other. The state has to be dominant over the private. In short, A state must have a religion of some kind, and it must be dominant if the state is to exist. And we do have, we sort of have a secular bastardized religion, which is the state, and that is always dominant over uh, any other, you know, religion that uh, is expressed. It cannot have two or more competing religions that it treats equally, Uh, It cannot be so-called secular or non-religious and at the same time religious. It's simply a contradiction. It is not possible. A secular state can only recognize religion outside of secularity as a freely chosen opinion. It can't recognize it as somehow a state or a lawful truth. It can't pick out one particular religion and say that this this religion is the truth and must be followed by law, and at the same time say that it has freedom of religion. It can't do it. It cannot reconcile it as a dominant fact. And I'll give you an example. For example, a Bible study cannot be conducted on public school property because this reflects a state choice in favor of religion, if this were allowed. But... Uh, 
the decision uh, and the choice not to have a Bible study on public school property is not neutral. It's a refusal to permit religious exercise, uh, and therefore it's not neutral to religion. Uh, It automatically is an establishment of a religion of secularity. So those whose religion of so-called non-religious secularity are automatically favored by the state in that decision. In other words, people who believe that religion is simply a private opinion and is not necessary to the public good are favored over those people who believe that religion is not just a public opinion, that it is a truth that should be uh, used in order to promote the public good. So one group of people is favored by the state over another, and it's impossible for this not to happen. It has to happen one way or the other. The state can't do both things. It has to, its rules and regulations have to be uh, dominant over private rules and regulations. And so therefore, it makes decisions that are religious by nature. The very idea of the state being able to define what a religion is and, and define the fact that a religion you know, has to be held as simply an opinion, those two definitions are an act of religion in and of itself. So the state really can't be neutral. By its very nature, it must define what is and what isn't religion. This is in itself a religion. So it's it's something that the the state can't do. It has to pick and choose. Uh, It has to. And it has to act, thus it engages in its own religion at the expense of other religions. And it's simply impossible for the state to do otherwise. So what we're going to do with integralism is we're going to say, since there isn't such a thing as freedom of religion, all of those people who start shouting about, we will be going against our constitution if we introduce religious principles into governing a state, no, we won't. It would only seem like we're going against it because the Constitution can't guarantee freedom of religion any more than somebody can guarantee that a circle can be a square at the same time. It just can't happen. In short, uh, the state can't allow a religion outside its own definition and its own religious outlook (laughs) to supersede its authority or it loses its authority. I mean, it couldn't, for example, suppose uh, you have... uh, three or four different religions. One religion decides that it's okay, say, to sacrifice animals. If the state passes a law against the sacrifice of animals, then it is curtailing that particular religion. If it allows the sacrifice of animals, then it is curtailing another religion that that says that the sacrifice of animals is not permissible. Uh, It simply can't satisfy all religious, religious outlooks. And so whatever it does is a religious outlook in and of itself. Uh, it cannot allow another religious outlook to violate its law without losing its authority. So if you let one uh, violate its law, then you let all. So, if, for example, in India, there is the practice, uh, used to be, of uh, when a man dies, of his wife being burnt alive on his funeral pyre. And when the West uh, went into India and ruled it for a while, it put a stop to that practice. Because in the West, of course, that is considered something that is considered murder. And uh, it's simply not allowable. The two things are not reconcilable. And no, no state can have somehow a freedom of religion where everyone can practice their religion as they wish. People can believe whatever they want. 
but they certain can't, certainly can't practice whatever they want. And the United States is no different than that. And I so, think the story uh, behind that is really drives it home about the British official and his reply. Yes, his reply. It's a very good story. And uh, do you want to tell it or do you want me to tell you it? tell it. Okay. What happened, I think, was an official of the British Army, uh, a, a, a major or a captain or a colonel, I don't know what his rank was. But when this practice was put to a stop, the uh, people, you know, the, of, of that particular religion in India complained and said that, you know, you are, uh, this is a, a right that we practice and that you are putting a stop to our religious right and to our ancient practice, and uh, we have a right to continue it. And he said, okay. He said, what you're telling me is, is that, uh, you know, all rights uh, along this line, and I'm talking about it right here, R-I-T-E, uh, should be, every, every group should be able to pursue its own particular rights. And he said, so therefore, if you are allowed to pursue this particular right, then we also should be able to pursue our particular right that follows this one. And he said, in our case, he said, when people do these kinds of things, we have a right where we walk them up a scaffold, put a rope around their neck and let them drop to throw a hole in the scaffold and hang by the neck until they're dead. That's our right. So if you want to go ahead and practice your right of burning these wives alive, then in turn, we get to practice our right of marching you up that scaffold and dropping you down with that rope around your neck. And, you know, and he said, in other words, it was a clear and good illustration that, that everybody can't have their own way when it comes to the law or when it comes to the religious principles that undergird the law. And all law is in, in it is undergird by religious principles. So what I'm doing here is I'm just setting the stage for uh, the idea of religious principles. And uh, so what we have here in the United States is a secular liberalism that really is the religion of the state. And uh, that secular religion, religion, secular liberal religion is unstable. Uh, it's toxic and it's unstable. And I'm making this statement here and I'm not trying to discriminate against our Protestant friends. But the fact is, is there is a comparison with that instability to the instability that we find in Protestantism. So I'm going to talk about that. And uh, I'm going to talk about a statement that Cardinal Newman made uh, in the 19th century and Cardinal Newman was an Anglican bishop that changed over to Catholicism. And this is one of the criticisms he made of Protestantism and one of the explanations he made for becoming a Catholic. And uh, he points out that uh, Protestant doctrine has no place of rest, is what he was pointing out in one, one of his uh, articles that he wrote. He says... Uh, if Protestants really confine themselves, if they did, confine themselves strictly to the Bible alone, that is strictly to, to Scripture, he says the doctrine of the Bible alone itself would be gone because it's not there in Scripture. So he said others' doctrines that Protestants hold would also go 
that are not found in Scripture. And Protestantism would sink down to unbelief. He said eventually it would become so thin and uh, so dis- in such disarray that it would simply sink down to unbelief. But it does keep some of the Catholic tradition of the first few centuries of the church. And those things are really not found in Scripture. And I won't get into them, but they're not found in Scripture. Yet the Protestant church keeps them because it has to. If it didn't, it would sink down into disarray and it would begin to decline. It would, it would begin to fall apart. Uh, it says, but its profession of sola scriptura does not really permit this. In other words, if it really stuck to sola scriptura, then it, the, the, the very principle that it professes to believe would not allow it to keep those traditions of the first few centuries, and thus it would lose its coherence, and it would again sink down thinly and, and more thinly, finally into unbelief. And it says, it thus must remain inconsistent, uh, or it must either sink into unbelief, or it must move up into Catholicism. And Newman goes on to explain that this is what he did. He moved up into Catholicism because otherwise, to really follow the Protestant principle, and we talked about this last week, we talked about perpiscuity, is to simply eventually abandon all of the traditions that would hold Protestantism together and it would sink down into belief. It has no midway point of rest. And we're going to have to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob. Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The Epiphany Knights of Columbus call all knights and their guests to our 50th anniversary reception, Saturday, July 29th. Join us for 4 o'clock mass, followed by beverages, appetizers, dinner catered by Bernardi's, and then dance the night away with our professional DJ. All knights attend free of charge, and their guests are only $10. RSVP to joe at dmci.com. Again, that's joe at dmci.com. Your reservation deadline is July 1st. Come celebrate 50 years of the Epiphany Knights of Columbus. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in blooming to normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. July is the month for Catholic Spirit Radio's Matching Monday. I'm this year's Matching Monday donor, Patricia, and I'm going to double up to $6,000 every donation made on the Mondays in July. I challenge you to donate big, so I have to write that matching big check. Donate online at CatholicSpiritRadio.com or mail your check on any Monday in July to 108 Boykin's Place in Normal. Why am I willing to be the matching donor? Before I converted, Catholicism seemed mysterious to me, even though my husband was Catholic. However, after speaking with a priest, I knew I wanted to become a Catholic, too. I began listening to EWTN programs and grew tremendously in my understanding and love of the faith. When my children came along, I was thankful that we could attend church together, and we still do whenever family comes to town. Catholic Spirit Radio needs our financial support so we can grow in our faith. If you've never donated, start this July. If you've donated in the past, July is the month to give extra. Remember, I will double it during July Matching Mondays. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. 
we're sort of talking about the integralism or at least an introduction to it. And we've been talking about the disarray of our society and some of the reasons why that, of that disarray, because we have lost the Christian principles upon which Western civilization was founded. And uh, we have a, a constitution that is secular. We have the idea that somehow or another we can practice our religion privately and that it's a freedom of religion and that this will offset that secular practice, but it doesn't work. There really is no such thing as freedom of religion. Whatever the state uh, holds as principles are regnant, and they are always in some way religious, even if they are dysfunctional religious principles. And uh, when they prevail, they are uh, supersede uh, other religious principles because the state can't permit various religious principles, as I pointed out here, to actually coexist with each other because they contradict each other and they contradict the law. So you're going to be governed by some religious principles. And what we're saying here is those religious principles originally that built Western civilization were basically Catholic. And if we want to have our civilization constrained and to stop the disarray that we're experiencing and stop the decline, then we need to introduce religious principles that will do that. And what we're going to argue in the next uh, 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 program is that those principles might as well be Catholic. They are going to be something. And since Catholicism built Western civilization in the first place and laid down the principles for it, then those principles need to be Catholic, and we'll make an argument for that in the next uh, uh, program. But right now we're talking about the fact that liberalism that we hold now is in a way a form of the Protestantism, and this country was actually built on Protestantism, and Protestantism has, uh, because it has abandoned Many of the Catholic traditions, uh, it, it is in disarray, and if it abandoned even more and actually stuck to what it says that it believes, that is the principle of Scripture alone, then it would become even less coherent and eventually sink down into uh, unbelief and, in, in effect, and sink down into religious anarchy and sink down to the point where it would no longer be a religion at all. And what I'm saying here is that what Newman said about uh, religion and what, what he said about Protestantism is also applicable to the liberal secular state that we have. It is also based on an incoherence and on a thinness that will sink down into anarchy and uh, that uh, anarchy ultimately breeds totalitarianism. People will not stand anarchy, and that's what we're starting to experience if you take a look at our society today. And the, the uh, counterpoint to anarchy is a totalitarian government. And uh, when, when you get enough anarchy, and a totalitarian government results. And so the argument that we're going to make in the next session is that unless we reestablish religious principles that are functional for the state to follow and uh, have the state constrained by those principles so it will not lead to anarchy, that it will lead to a stability, 
then unless we do that, we are going to be in disarray. And it's the same kind of disarray that Protestantism would sink down into if it actually followed the non-principles that it proclaims uh, to believe in. And those, that non-principle is the idea that somehow or another uh, scripture alone uh, can govern it and hold it together, and which, of course, it can't. And it really doesn't. And Protestantism is sort of a, it holds a contradiction uh, in spite of the fact that it says Scripture alone. It does incorporate some of the traditions of the Catholic Church. And just as Protestant does that, we're saying also the state that Protestantism, Protestantism created, that is the state that we live in now under the American Constitution, must be reinvigorated with those Christian principles that were basically Catholic, or else it is not going to be able to do the job it's supposed to do, and it's not going to be able to work. I think we should kind of go over the idea of what anarchy is. <clears throat> Look at our streets. Look at the towns, the cities. And we'll use uh, Seattle and Portland and Los Angeles as an example. People are living on the streets. That's one thing. What are they doing? They're taking drugs. They're defecating on the streets. They're fighting on the streets. They're sh- shooting up and attacking people, not only with guns, with knives, with clubs, with their fists, even in New York, pushing people on, onto the tracks. So what happens? Somebody interferes to protect somebody, like the Marine, uh, uh, the former Marine on the, uh, on, the subway. on the subway in New York. He's the one that's being punished, and they're calling him a murderer. This is what, you know, no law, no law that's enforced. People in the drugstores, people own the drugstores, can't do a thing when they're being robbed. They've gotten to the point where they're, if you go into the, some of the stores now, especially the drugstores, everything's covered in plastic and locked under it. Well, now they're bringing blowtorches in and melting it so they can get at what they want, and the employees can do nothing. And the, This the- is anarchy. And the definition of anarchy that yeah that we're using here is you can you can say anarchy is simply you know without a, a state some people will claim, but not not necessarily without law. But the fact is is that anarchy always descends into the, not only being without a state, but also eventually without law or having law that is so contradictory that it can't be followed. And like you say, Lynn, what happens is is when the law becomes confused and becomes non-applicable or isn't applied equally or is not applied at all, then people start trying to take the law into their own hands, just like this Marine did. What else could he do uh, in order to solve the anarchy that was happening on that subway car? Uh, Somebody had to step in and restore some kind of order there, and this is what he tried to do. This is what the law and the police and so forth should be doing in the first place. It shouldn't be necessary for that Marine to have to do this. It only should be necessary for him to invoke the law and uh, to call a policeman that should be readily available or 
to step in and have the law stand behind him and on his side because he's following what the law should be doing in the first place, and that is restoring ordinary order. And sometimes when you restore order in a situation like that, uh, you can have uh, something like that happen. A person breaks the law and and, uh, has to be restrained, and that restraint sometimes can injure or kill that person, and that's what happens in some cases. You try to avoid that, but nevertheless, without, you know, with, with, without people understanding what they can and can't do, they simply start not acting at all. And then you descend into no law at all. And then you descend into, uh, a violence that is even worse than people stepping in and acting as a vigilante. So that you, in other words, become dysfunctional. Well, this is anarchy. In my exactly. book. That is what anarchy, <clears throat> and eventually it leads to a reaction that becomes Which, totalitarian. Exactly, and what is totalitarianism? And uh, that's when somebody steps in and takes complete control. Exactly, like and, uh, martial law would be the an example. Martial law would be instituted, and the new government maybe formed, maybe not. And you'd have a dictator. He would tell you everything you can and cannot do. And then people will accept it because they become so confused and demoralized <clears throat> by anarchy that uh, in order to have some kind of order restored, they will. This is what happened in Italy when we t- you know, talk about uh, so-called fascism. I don't think it was really fascism by the real definition of fascism. But Mussolini took over. He was an authoritarian dictator. And the people accepted it because <laughs> the, the phrase was— yeah, protection. The, the streetcars ran on time. In other words, right. meaning that order was restored to society, and so they would accept a, a dictatorship, a totalitarianism, simply to get back that order. And so, totalitarianism becomes almost inevitable when people descend into anarchy, because that's the one thing human beings will not tolerate. They demand some type of order. I mean, we're 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 simply naturally programmed that way. Uh, we, 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 we give order to things ourselves and we expect things to have order and take a look at the stars. What do people do? They make figures out of them. You can take a look at the stars. Do they really look like any of those figures that, that people uh, say that, you know, they are, of course not in a lot of situations, but the human mind will take something that is chaotic and turn it into something that is orderly and organized because it's a need that people have. And if that need isn't solved in, 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 in society's governing and the state, then uh, people will demand that some kind of power restore it. It's a That's simple. right. That's what happened in Germany. And so we need, you know, and we can see that the reg, that the the principles regarding our state are contradictory. There's no such thing as freedom of religion. That there's some religion has to prevail. Some principles have to prevail. That the state follows over other principles. Those principles are the religious principle. This is the state, and so a state has to have religious principles. It cannot satisfy everybody, and the people in it have to live by those religious principles. They may believe otherwise but they certainly may not act otherwise. You may believe that it's okay to uh, sacrifice animals or babies or something like that, but if the state law is against it, then you may not do it. And it's uh, and, and you simply can't satisfy every 
different religion any more than in India. Uh, every religion could be satisfied uh, that uh, Western civilizational religion could be satisfied and the Indian uh, idea of sacrificing wives could be satisfied at the same time. Can't be done. Uh, the state has to be regnant or it has no law at all. So we get back to that. Anyhow, we need integralism. And that's the case I'm making because we have a society in which uh, the rules are not complete enough to hold that society together. Just like uh, Cardinal Newman says, Protestantism, if it really followed its uh, principle of scripture alone, as we pointed out uh, with last week with uh, perpiscuity, it would descend further and further into a thinner and thinner religion until it became no religion at all. And it would simply sink down into unbelief and disintegrate. And it's the same thing. We have we have applied that same thing to our constitution. That somehow we could have a constitution that could incorporate all religions and make you know, such a thing as religious freedom, and it can't do it. And so when we're not certain as to what our religious principles should be, they become varied and they be, they become whatever any particular person who happens to have power at the time declares them to be. And we start descending into the toxic anarchy that we are descending into now. We need uh, the Catholic orthodoxy woven into the principles of the state. It built Christendom, which is the foundation of Western civilization. And Western civilization, in my opinion, was the greatest civilization ever. And uh, I'm not talking about some of the things that are wrong with our country now. Of course, uh, you can criticize many of the things that are going on in our civilization as it is now. You can look at some of the things that are happening in our cities. You can look at some of the ways our laws are being interpreted. You can look at some of the greed that unfettered capitalism can cause. Capitalism is one of the greatest things ever, but of course it has to live also by principles that constrain it. Just like the principles have to constrain all aspects of civilization. Those principles have to be workable, good and decent. And that's what Catholicism was able to offer. And that's what we need again. So if you want to make a criticism of Western civilization, be sure that you're criticizing what actually was the foundation of Western civilization. Because a lot of the things that we criticize about our society today are not at all what was really developed by Western civilization. They're a deviation from it, and they're a deviation because we have somehow or another come to believe that we can abandon the principles, the religious principles of Western civilization and still keep the civilization, and we can't. And that's what integralism is going to talk about, that our very constitution itself will fall apart unless we have those principles to constrain it. Our very business structure, property, society, capitalism, all of it will fall apart unless we have the proper religious principles to constrain it. And that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about abolishing our civilization by having religious principles. We're talking about making it more orderly and stronger and freer because an anarchic civilization is certainly not free. And uh, it, then its descent into totalitarianism is certainly not free either. So at any rate, 
Uh, that's the what we're setting up for our next program, and we will then talk about uh, integr- integralism and how to introduce those principles back into our state and the fact that they do not have to be some kind of you know authoritarian principles that ruin everybody's freedom. They do not, but they certainly do have to hold us together. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was going to turn to my wife and she stepped out for a minute and I didn't even realize it. So uh, let me read from one little uh, book here or an article here uh, written by a man uh, that lived in the 19th century right after the Civil War. And he goes on, he says, just government is not founded on the consent of the individuals governed, but on the ordinance of God. And uh, that's what Tocqueville said also, that, that almost everything, every action in human society reverts back somehow to some concept of God. He goes on, he says, and hence a share in the ruling franchise is not a natural right at all, but a privilege to be bestowed according to a wise discretion on a limited class having qualification to use it for the good of the whole that the integers out of which the state is constituted are not individuals, but families represented in their parental heads. In other words, we talked about this idea that somehow or another human society, the state, was composed of solitary individuals in search of food who came together for mutual protection, but that's not the case. It was families that form society in the first place. And families are based on hierarchies. They're not based on somehow the uh, consent of the governed. We don't have our children give us their consent to be governed. They are governed because it is necessary and natural to human beings to do this. And so we have to restore this concept and this idea. Can't talk any further here. We're gonna have to stop and say our prayer. Uh, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's Bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.